Hello and welcome again to Oscar Mike Radio. I'm Travis, the host. Oscar Mike Radio is about uh, the military and our veterans, active duty service members, the people that support them, and everything in between. Thank you again for watching. And I want to say thank you again to Susan Hunter, who was just on a short time ago to talk about her book, 77 Letters, and has, we're kind of doing part two and some other things. Susan, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for having me back. This was a really amazing book. And Susan, I've had several people watch our show, listen to our show and said, wow, you know, usually, you know, it's all military stuff and slang and guys talking, but this was a really impactful story because of such a different viewpoint. And so there was so much to cover. We couldn't do it all in one show. So I'm happy that you're here. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. Thank you. Um, this continues to um, affect people. I continue to get emails and I think when people read it, they feel compelled to help out. So I've been on other, you know, um, other podcasts, not as great as this one though. <laughs> but, uh, gets you it, it's really, it's really um, doing its job. It's really, uh, touching people's hearts. And one of the things that we've said from the beginning is you need to change hearts in order to change behaviors. And this is definitely uh, touching people's hearts. You know, another topic from the time, but, but what if you don't have a heart? What if you don't believe that there's a heart? Hmm. Just well, curious. Uh, we'll, I would we'll, be happy we'll... to hop on that one because I have some thoughts on that. <laughs> Oh God, Danielle, I'm, I'm, I'm done now. Well, that's a different, <laughs> anyway, moving forward. It's just a little funny thing. Um, speaking of heart, I stopped right as what I would call Susan, the heart of the book. Speaking of heart, I, we stopped where I felt the real heart of the book started to come to the fore. And what I mean by that is all through the book, about a third of the way they start talking about meeting and it was talked about, talked about, talked about, talked about, and then they finally meet. And, and there was a whole lot of things that not only your, your mother had to get right in her mind and heart before this happened, but your, your dad had to, your brothers and sisters had to. And they knew that once Bob, who was a black unattached unmarried man came to Sichuan, Massachusetts, you know, some people would look at your family differently. How, how, how did you feel about that when you started getting into that part of your mom's journey? Uh, it was very interesting. And just to back it up a little bit, the, and the reason why my mom had to um, come to grips with some things is he had talked about coming to visit a year and a half prior to the actual visit. And he had kind of built her up that he was coming to visit and she was excited and he didn't show. And then she didn't hear from him for months. And I was so get into she, that, but yes. She thought the worst. And so she was a wreck. And she even wrote to the Department of Defense, you know, basically explaining, I'm not, you know, next of kin. I'm not even family. How will I ever know if something happened to him? But please let me know. And so she went through. And then, of course, they, they couldn't answer her because she, he, she wasn't family. And so she just waited. And then he reappeared, you know, seven months later. And so she was kind of, you know, as a female, like, what? We, how, how could you just like be MIA for all this time? And, and then she had to kind of recheck herself and say, wait a minute, he is fighting a war right now. And 
anyway, so she had to let that go, let her own uh, closeness and involvement um, go to the wayside and she had to remain there for Bob. And so she did for the next year and then Harry was coming again. And so she was now managing her expectations. Okay, are you actually gonna come this time? because I don't want to let the kids down. And so what she did, she kind of prepared, you know, my, my dad's thing is um, prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. So that's kind of what she did. And she didn't tell the kids, but my mom and, and my father prepared for his coming. And, um, and she waited and he was a little bit late, which is very unmilitary-like, um, but I think it was probably just for the drama. Um, but anyway, so they, they did come and yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, think of it. My mom had that big heart. So, okay. It's easy for her to be like, yeah, well, next time you're on stateside leave, come visit, but put yourself in my dad's shoes. You know, here's, here's his wife writing to all these men, um, soldiers, no less. And now <laughs> one of them's coming to visit and from a war and from a controversial war at that, um, at that time and and he's black and this and she's white and this was back in the 60s so there was a lot there that i was like wow this is this is really impressive that's that's what i'm saying and there is a lot to unpack <laughs> although and i was going to get into this where where your mom was not exactly happy that that bob wasn't writing back um and there was a war going on i kind of chuckled because even when i started i wasn't in combat i'd like you know hey mom i'm going to the desert for two weeks i'll see you later those were not good thoughts. That was not <laughs> the right thing to say to, yeah, it must be a female thing. I didn't even think about it. But yeah. Bob, Bob, Bob brought his A game because when he showed up, he brought gifts and not just, <laughs> not just gifts from Logan airport, like, like gifts from, <laughs> from across the world. That must've been, yeah. yeah what did your, what, did your brothers and sisters keep any of that? Because they were very unique. No, I know. I know. Unfortunately, none yeah. of them were, were saved. Um, but the memories are there. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, just curious, did you ever talk to your brothers and sisters about, you know, what do they remember that or how did they feel when they got that? Um, well, no, that would have been a good question. I have not asked them how they felt. Um, and they were also yet four and oh, yeah. no, okay, all right, all right. at the time, but they do remember, they do remember their jackets. Um, they do remember the jackets and, and they used to play. I mean, back then kids did play army and you know you ran around with the the guns and you had actually to... outside sorry wow. they actually played outside and they played yeah and they played outside and they used their imagination and yeah Whoa. i know <laughs> utopia but it, it, the the book really built up to this and then when he was there uh, you, you know there there was he still felt as he was kind of a stranger in a strange land when they went to plymouth plantation when they went to Plymouth Rock, which it's a really exciting thing to see Plymouth Rock, right, right, Susan? Yeah, that was a big buzzkill. <laughs> well, I mean, I saw it for the first time, and I'm like, this, okay. Anyway. Yeah. What else? Checked it off, checked it off the list. Right. So the Chevy Chase. Yeah. Okay, we saw it. Let's move. But he's doing all this, and, and he's seeing part of your family, and I think one of the things that stood out for me was the fact that he, he took it all with grace and you could tell that your father was really happy that he went to the high school to talk to um, the, 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 the kids there, the young men and women who were on the, the sports teams. And, and it sounded like, I was going to ask you this, that 
you know, they asked very insightful questions as young people. And Bob really took the time to answer those questions and really kind of tell them in real world how things were. And it left an impression on your parents. Yeah, no, he was, um, I think he got a lot out of the trip, but also in hearing about it, I got a lot. I, it spoke volumes for him and his character, um, even outside of the letters that he's written. Um, one thing was he did go to practice with my dad and the boys, I mean, think of it, they were 16, 17, you know, sophomore, junior, seniors. Um, they were the next year of conscripts. So, you know, I'm sure they had trepidation in their questions because they were, they were likely being shipped off that next year or what have you. So they asked questions and uh, one in particular, you know, um, was a pretty tough one because it was, it's a Catholic school, Boston College High School is a Catholic school. And so it's good and evil and, 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 and war is tough, you know? Um, and so he, but he, he answers it gracefully and he does, he, you know, that he, he understands where they're coming from. He doesn't get offended by it. Um, and he answers it again, kind of with the pillar of faith. Like he's a very spiritual man. And so he stayed true to that, you know, true north of his, and he answers the questions. And um, I think the, the boys appreciated even just seeing him there, the boys appreciated, my dad certainly appreciated it. Um, and then on the other side, when he went to the Plymouth plantation with my mom, and they had that kind of that tense encounter with the woman at the register. Um, what I got out of that was aside from the fact that, you know, the, the woman at the register was kind of ignoring them and you don't ever really know was, was she ignoring them because he's a soldier or was he, was she ignoring them because they were a mixed race or was she ignoring them because he's black? You don't really know. Um, and, but what you do see is, my mom had just never experienced anybody ignoring her. So she had this very sheltered life where she's never been say disrespected like that. Um, and so Bob recognizes this and just steps right in and doesn't even, doesn't even um, bring it to her awareness that, oh, I can't believe she's ignoring us. Just kind of steps right in and, and, and takes over and commands that presence so that the woman does answer um, and give them the ticket. Actually, she gave them a free pass. Um, because he was military, but um, I thought that was kind of interesting, you know, aside from the obvious, you know, being ignored, the fact that Joan, my mom, just had never experienced that, so she was oblivious to what, why didn't she answer me, what was that all about? It was a very conflicting time, because it was so new to her, and I, I really appreciated the grace that he handled that, he, yeah. he didn't let it spoil the entire moment, but she by him doing that, she got to see how his life was in a lot of areas. And I thought that was, it was very key, but I, I was like, yes, they got to meet. And it seemed like a really positive experience for your brothers and sisters. You were quite young at the time, I believe. Yeah. One and a half. One and a half. Right. And you know, um, but, but that was pretty cool. And then I, I really, you know, again, liked the, the, the time he spent with, young people and yeah i mean for me i forget that these these guys are going to be drafted in 18 months you know whether they want to or not it was right. it's a different time than it is now right right one of the things i did like about that uh, story of them going to plymouth plantation is so he bob um he carried me i was 18 months old so he carried me around so it's my mom bob and me in his arms 
and they walked about with no cares in the world or no issues or whatever. And I thought that was beautiful because of the time that that was not the norm. Um, but it didn't even phase, you know, certainly didn't phase my mom and I'm sure didn't phase Bob. And he, you know, I don't know what his re reaction was. I didn't ask him or he didn't remember exactly what, you know, any reactions from people at the time. But um, I just thought that was beautiful. And, and like, I would love if we could all be that way now, you know, if that's the way they were even back then, let's all be that way now. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you, you know, leading up to that as well, the other thing that he really communicates with your mother about is the aspect of interracial uh, relationships. Mm -hmm. And your mom was respectful, but she's like, I, I don't see it as a positive thing. And she wasn't, um, I don't say there was any kind of, of, of disrespect there or anything. She, it was just very newly and alien to her. And I, I didn't know how you felt about that. Well, some of the things, um, when I was reading the letters, some of the things were hard for me to swallow because we're so evolved now. And, um, and I just, I've led a life where I've had this life where I really haven't been exposed to it. Um, and so reading some of her letters was hard for me to swallow. Um, and that was one of them when she was just like, oh, I don't, she was against it. She's like, and it wasn't against, she didn't have a prejudice bone in her body. It wasn't against black and white loving each other. It was, I fear for that first um, generation of children born to a mixed marriage where they won't be accepted from the whites or the blacks, you know, or whatever mix it is. They wouldn't be accepted by either race. And she goes, I just fear for them that their life is gonna be very difficult. And that's kind of where she came from. Um, and, but she does say, you know, Bob, I'm not a pioneer. Um, I'm not, I don't have that grit. I, obviously that would be a great end game and I'd love to get there, but I just don't have that grit, you know, to be that person. Not, not saying that he was, you know, courting her to be that person, but just even conceptually speaking. Um, so that was a little bit tough for me to hear, to, to read. Um, these let between the two of them, but again, it was back in the time. I have to, you know, put myself back in that time and how things were, and um, and then the, you know there were some other things like she at, in one letter, she says, "Oh, Bob, you, you're pretty happy to know that the networks are now dedicating five hours a week to educating uh, the white folks about the black community," and I when I read that, I was like, "What?" Like we have to be educated and, and I, and it just really, it was something far more powerful than anything I've read in a history book and school. You know, this was a letter actually from people living it at that time. And that to me was eye opening that that's how far back we were. Um, and as much as, as disturbing as that was, I also said, okay, well, you know what, look how far we've come since then. If that's where we were in my same lifetime, that's where we were, then, then we've come a long way. But it was hard for me to read that from her. And then, um, yeah, there's a few other things that were hard for me because again, that's so far in the back that really wasn't even in my lifetime because by the time I was cognitive of what was going on, um, we had already moved past that. But um, yeah, so some of it was difficult for me to hear coming out of my mom's mouth or you know, her writing. So speaking of the interracial aspect, it also came to the aspect of children. And one of the things that really stood out for me because um, 
I'm not, I'm, I'm mixed. I'm not half black, half white, but I am mixed. And it, it raised questions growing up and it raises questions now was the treatment of mixed children in Korea. Mm -hmm. And at first I thought Bob was being, you know, exaggerating when he said this, but the aspect that the Koreans used to take half black and half, half black, half white and Korean babies and feed them to tigers as a mercy killing really brought a lot of this conversation into focus. And I wondered, is that why you know, he got married to a Korean woman? But is that one of the reasons he wanted to adopt Melody or, or, or where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, that, that is true about the mercy killings, which is just um, amazing. I mean, the fact that they even call it mercy killing, um, that they're saying kill them at birth as opposed to you know, the life that we're gonna provide for them. Um, and that's kind of exactly what my mom was saying to, to back up a little bit. You know, she feared for that, the, the, the children of mix because they wouldn't be accepted by either. And that's a perfect example. Now that over in Korea, that's pretty egregious what they, how they would handle it. Um, but it was the deal. And, and I think it, if I recall correctly, the term they use is twiggly um, for a mixed baby. I think that's what it was. I think so, um, yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was a, 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 a real thing. And so when Bob and Paksan, and I believe he, I absolutely believe he fell in love with Paksan. Um, and it's and it's a beautiful love story, and they're still married today, um, so it's it's beautiful. Um, I'm sure, just like every marriage, it has you know bumpy roads, just like every marriage. But um, I, I do believe that was true love. It had nothing to do with trying to prove something like he did in Germany when he was saying, "Oh, well, maybe I was going to marry a German just to prove that we could uh, have a mixed relationship." But anyway, um, so he fell in love with Paxan, and then when they decided to adopt two children, that's when they said, okay, well, we're going to get mixed. We're going to adopt two mixed race. And then, and then, you know, from the story, how he came upon Melody, which is not a normal adoption. It was just a, a beautiful thing. It was meant to happen. And, and, and so it was a no brainer. You know, she was half black, half Korean, or is half black, half Korean. And, um, you know, she, he adopted her, brought her to the States and, you know, she's been able to have an education and it basically have a life of an American. Well, one of the things that got me really curious and I started reading this, I started thinking, you know, there was a lot of, because, you know, I'm adopting myself. There's a lot of unknowns, a lot of gaps you're trying to fill uh, as you move through life. When she got the letters, I was struck by how you articulated that the letters started filling in blocks that she didn't know about and, and how she was able to do that and how you all developed your own relationship. And I really kind of wanted to see if you'd go into that for me, please. Yeah, sure. And this will be a little bit behind the scenes exclusives for your listeners. Um, so in the book, I, I, there's a, obviously you see the redemption, you see her um, realizing through these letters that her dad was the victim in all this and it really humanized her father and kind of took the warrior away from the war. And she understood his PTSD a little bit more. She understood. Um, and so that's evident and that's touched upon in the book. What came after the book from some of these podcasts and some of these conversations that the two of us have had since then is 
through these letters, she actually got some insight and learned about her grandmother, uh, Bob's mother, and, um, and her own mother that she didn't, never knew before. And it, and it was enough in enlightenment that she viewed both of them a little bit differently than she had prior to knowing about the letters. And, and one such example is in the story, uh, in the book, there's that story of Bob telling my mother about his own mom, who was a single mom, seven children. So, you know, she's, you know, exhausted all the time, seven children and um, holding down probably two or three jobs to make ends meet. And she goes outside and sees a, a, a white woman with some children freezing in a car, starving and freezing in a car in the alley. She welcomes them in and she, you know, bathes the kids and she feeds them for a couple of days while the husband of this woman who was out in the car is out looking for a job. They were from Texas. And um, so that's a beautiful story. And Melody had never heard stories like that about her grandmother. And so um, it, it was healing for her in that regard too, to see where, okay, this is how my grandmother, you know, was back then she had it difficult and yet she still had this beautiful heart, you know, to extend herself to these, um, you know, people who were down on their luck. So that's, a, a, you know, just part of it. So yes, here, the letters gave her insight into her mom and her grandma that she um, never knew. And then obviously her dad. How has the relationship between you and Melody developed or has it developed at all as a result of this? Oh, sure. Yeah, no, um, we've become very close. Um, text each other, I'd say every couple of days, oh, wow. uh, for sure. Yep. So I'm, you know, we call each other sis and oh, great. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been sweet. Um, you know, we kid around because, because I was born during their epistolary relationship, my mom and Bob, Bob used to refer to me as princess Susan. And so, and I'm so not a princess, but anyway, um, we joke about it now because growing up, she would hear about this princess Susan when they, you know, exchange Christmas cards for the 15 years post-war. So she heard about Princess Susan and, um, and now of course we know each other. So sometimes I'll kid around and be like, well, but you know, I'm a princess. So <laughs> I, I'm not out there cleaning up the garage, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have, we have some fun and it's, you know, it's been tough because it has been healing and some of this and some of these podcasts and articles and whatnot that we've done as a result of the book um, have had to, you know, she had to go back into some areas of her life that she really didn't want to go back into. So, so that's been difficult too, um, because it's not all roses for sure. I mean, I, I don't go into the PTSD and her, his afterlife because I think there's enough books that go into that. And I, and I didn't want to, quite honestly, I didn't want to open that door for him. So I didn't want to ask him questions about that or ask her questions about that. I wanted this to be more healing on what I, I already knew, I kind of had an idea based on the letters. Um, I don't know what Pandora's box I would be opening. So, the, and, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, that's not my expertise. So I didn't want to well, go there. As, as a reader, I would say that I definitely, you definitely showed that part that it was there, mm -hmm. but it was done that I didn't, like, I know it's there, but I don't need to open that chapter because there's just other things going on. I thought it was right. diverted really well and it didn't detract from the story. But what I was happy about is that again, 
because a lot of children don't like like uh we'll use richard fitz jr for example i mean there's major parts of his father's life that he will never know about and, and it, it has you know raised questions all through his life and so i was happy that that melody got a chance to you know get to know her dad if you will mm-hmm. yeah no it was um it, it was a a gift from god i believe um the way the whole thing transpired the fact that i even had the letters down here in Tennessee with me when I happen to have my mom. So uh, to me, if you go back and just look at the series of events that led us to where we are, I believe it was a gift from God, not only just from Melody and Bob to heal, um, but to bring this story out. I'll tell you, Travis, I've gotten so many emails and so many texts and so many phone calls from veterans who feel so um, I don't want to say this is like a magical pill and it healed them, but they just felt they could, they could relate to Bob. And many of them have said that they, you know, they had tears at the end. Um, and it was just very, you know, it was a good read for them. And uh, I feel really honored, you know, that, that I, I believe God chose me to, to bring this to light. And I feel, I feel honored because I would want nothing more. I mean, now this has changed the trajectory of my whole life, my whole career. And uh, now I'm, I'm kind of trying to be that voice or, or provide a platform to, for veterans to, be a, to have a voice. Yeah, and that's the last thing I want to talk about. Um, you know, we're winding this down, we're almost done, is, you know, all through the book, your mother's faith, Bob's faith, and your faith is is present throughout the pages of the book and you know me being me i, I read a lot of the reviews on you know different sites and a co- there was a couple reviews that thought that the focus on faith was just a bit too much i disagree because you know without faith you don't have a whole lot in life and people looked at that differently back then and people address faith differently now but um, I, I did want to ask you, is, is putting the faith in the story and out there like you do, what's the reason for that? Uh, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, and yeah, I did see that review, that, that person's review. And um, the other thing I think is funny is it's a nonfiction. So <laughs> what part of nonfiction does he not understand? If their letters really interjected God and they were very um, God-centric, then of course the book is going to be God-centric. But anyway, aside from that one review, um, the reason I do it is because I, I firmly believe, um, I, well, I firmly believe in, in God and in Jesus as our Lord Savior. And I, I think it's important to not shy away from that. Um, I think this was absolutely dropped in my lap the way it happened everything happened and, and there I have a whole series of Godwings that have happened during the course of this writing um, and I could share one with you but I think this is him wanting these veterans to heal wanting them to give them an opportunity and so therefore I'm not shying away from it I am nothing without him and so I am unapologetically um, not shying away from it and um and it, it, it's going to offend some people, but so be it. <laughs> you know, can't control that. Well, I, I never, I, th- I never thought of it as unauthentic. Uh, I never thought of it as being unreal. Um, faith was looked at differently back then. You can definitely tell the letters that, you know, Bob was Protestant and you know had his belief system. Your mom was Catholic, had her belief system. 
um, but still they all understood, you know, their faith and it was embedded in interwoven into their lives. I mean, there were several times where Bob is saying, you know, Hey, I almost got killed today, but for the grace of God, you know, so to speak, I'm paraphrasing here. So I, I'm, I'm like somebody here. And then, you know, your testimony leads me to believe that, you know, your faith is not just something that is put in there for, you know, filler. It's a, it's a part of who you are. Without a doubt, with every breath I take. Absolutely. Um, and I don't know, in the first podcast, I, I, I forget, did we talk about Missouri, the Godwink behind Missouri? Not really, no. Okay, so I, I, if I have time. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Time for, okay. We got so, time. Okay, cool. Um, so here's here's one of these Godwinks that I talk about. And there's so now, wait a minute, many. Hold on, hold on. For, for the uneducated here, and even I had to like Godwink. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, this is a, a, a term coined by Squire Rushnell, uh, Godwink. And it's kind of um, the idea that it's not coincidence. It's a God wink. God, this is like God winking saying, okay, I, I'm making uh, this happen. Okay. Yeah, this is me. Uh, you know, I'm here. I am. Um, and, uh, this, this is a okay. gift. From, right. This is a gift from me to you. So, um, anyway, so I'm writing the book. I'm rereading the letters and the articles that Bob had included with the letters. And I come across this one letter of an operation he had just been on. And in the letter, I mean, in the article, they quote the platoon sergeant as Billy R. Dansby from Hendersonville, Tennessee. Well, I had just moved to Gallatin, Tennessee, which is a mile away from Hendersonville, Tennessee. And I thought, wow, okay, so it caught my eye. Um, And I said, oh, let me see if he's still around. So I Google and I find a William Ray Dansby, about the age I would suspect him to be, still in Tennessee. And so I said, this, it's gotta be him, it's gotta be. So I write him a letter, I give him, uh, I make a copy of the article and I say, you know, hey, I'm doing this cool thing for our Vietnam veterans. My mom used to write to this one gentleman, Bob Johnson. I'm wondering if you knew him and, and if this is you quoted in, the, in this article. Well, he calls back on the way back from the, um, the mailbox. He had already opened the letter, read it and he's leaving a message on his cell phone to me. Susan, just like a drill sergeant. Susan. This is Billy Ray Dance. We have the second seven cow. And, and if this is the Bob Johnson, I think you're referring to him. I know him very well. And I very much look forward to talking to you. Boom. And I was just like, okay, all right. Well, um, looks like it's, it's, it's him. It's a win. I, I found him. So anyway, we have since become fast friends and he has welcomed me into this amazing group of Vietnam veterans that meet once a month, um, just over the border in Alabama. And uh, so I've got to know and love so many of them. Um, and anyway, so in one of our, uh, our visits, he says, did he ever tell you about Missouri? And I said, no. I said, the only thing I know about Missouri is in one of his letters, he was going to Missouri, the state of Missouri, to visit with parents of one of his men who had perished and that he was a fine soldier. That's all I knew. Well, Bob says, I mean, um, Bill says, um, mm, that makes sense. And I said, no, why? Tell me more. And uh, so he goes on to tell me that Missouri was this young kid drafted right out of high school, really had no business being in the war. He just didn't have that mindset, that grit. And, um, and so Bob could see that and took him under his wing and felt like he was there to protect Missouri. And, and Bob had this very unrealistic view that he was supposed to protect everybody and all the South Vietnamese children. You know, he was to protect everybody. So he really felt it when, when we lost anybody. But anyway, he especially thought he was to protect Missouri and he did in many situations, but 
um, his last moment, Missouri's last moment was not very pretty. It was awful, in fact, and Bob witnessed it. And Bob was the leader of this little cadre that was going out on reconnaissance. So um, he always felt guilty, you know, that survivor's guilt. And so, and that ended up being the pivotal moment in Bob's psyche with this Vietnam War. So it was a God wink that I, you know, had this Bill Dansby and he's still with us and he was willing to talk and, and that I was able to develop this, you know, relationship equity where he felt, you know, trustworthy, that I was trustworthy to talk to me and, um, and to let me, you know, to let me in on that whole story because that was, that was pivotal. As you see in the book, that was pivotal in this book. And I wouldn't have had that otherwise. So that's one of these God wings that I say, God, really, this is him. I'm just, a, I'm just an instrument. I'm just a workhorse for him. And so he wants these veterans to have an opportunity to heal and to be at peace before they come home. And, um, and, and that's why I'm, I'm so grateful for you for spreading you know, this, the awareness of this story. Um, and I, and I, I really am sincerely grateful that you share it because I see that you share it as well to other groups. And uh, I, I think it's good vibes, it's, it's healing. And, and I do think a lot of people, once they read it, they do feel compelled to help out. And um, I hope that continues because the more veterans that, especially our Vietnam veterans, and, and I love all veterans, okay? I love all veterans. And well, I yeah, absolutely, all absolutely. I have heartstrings to the Vietnam veterans. You know, absolutely. You know, it, it, it kind of came into focus, you know, as, as I was going through Memorial Day with Richard Fitz Jr. and his family you know, in the back of my mind was, you know, your story and, and Bob, and, you know, I think you promised, I think I promised that with what we have, we're going to make sure they're never forgotten. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're all about. So I just glad we got the opportunity to talk again. There was a lot there and I'm probably going to read it through a third time and might have some follow-ups and yeah. definitely, looking, definitely looking forward to get back to situate um, or I got out to Nashville, I go out there a lot that uh, we can meet up sometimes. So absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. The book is 77 letters written by Susan P Hunter. You can go to Susan Hunter books. Yeah. Yep, Susan, Susan Hunter, Hunter books. books. I got, yeah, I got that right. Susan Hunter books. You can find out all about it. And, um, you know, again, a really great book. You, whether you served or not, whether you just have interest in the Vietnam war or not, uh, I encourage you to read it. Well, Susan, all good things come to an end, but the story is not over, as you say in writing, and I appreciate your time. This is true. No, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, just saying, Oscar Mike Rito, we are Mission Flight. Susan, again, thank you very much. We are out. <laughs>